0: Welcome Valley family, we're continuing this series. Uh, this is actually week number four in the series that we're calling How to Beat the Odds and we're looking at different kinds of relationships that we have, we've talked about marriage. Uh, last week we talked about parenting and, and during our time together, we're gonna look at friendship and as you saw in the bumper there, 25% of people say that they don't have a close friend that they can confide in. And isn't that kind of crazy when you think about it? Uh, we're more connected by way of technology uh, as a culture than ever before And yet we don't feel like we actually have someone who's close to us, a a close friend. And and so that's what we're going to be looking at in our time together uh, today, and that is making the most... Of friendship. So if you have your Valley Christian Church app, if you go ahead and open that up and you'll be able to fill in the blanks and follow along and, and look back at the scripture and these things. And and also one of the cool things about this app, by the way, is it saves it for you. So when you're on, you know, in a conversation later on this week and you're like, what was that verse? Boop, it's right there from even three weeks ago, four weeks ago, uh, all right there uh, on your phone. As we start off talking about making the most uh, of friendships, I couldn't help but remember back when I was in high school, John Jay High School, uh, Way, 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 way back in time. Uh, In my senior year, I took a psychology class. And one of the uh, assignments was we had to read a how-to book. To read a how-to book, and we had to do a presentation and a report on it. And uh, I didn't read a whole lot back then as only assignments, nothing else besides maybe comic books. And uh, I remember going to the bookstore and picking out a how-to book, and it literally changed my life. It was a school assignment, my senior year in high school, and it changed my life. And it was book by Dale Carnegie called How to Win Friends and Influence People. And, and, and through the years, I've just continued to go back to the things that I learned as an 18-year-old senior in high school in psychology class, How to Win Friends and Influence People, and uh, what a great book. How many of you ever read that book before? Okay, two. That's great. Uh, I recommend that you do that. I mean, it's a phenomenal book because the whole thing is how to, when you're talking to people, how to make them feel valuable. One of the things and I used to be real good at it, but the church has kind of grown uh, where it's hard for me to keep up with uh, one of the things is is remembering people's names and boy, when our church was like one hundred and fifty and 250 and 350 even 550 I knew everyone's names and their kids and their pets and everything now that we're like 1200 it's hard for me to keep up with for sure uh, but I still try to do my best and I'm not getting any younger either so cut me some slack will you why'd you bring that up anyway so but uh, but how to win friends and influence people and, and uh, recently I was even I text my girls this week and I was like hey have you guys ever read this book before and they're like no dad we never read and I was like, guess what you're going to be doing this summer when you come home? So anyway, uh, C.S. Lewis, the great Christian author, put it this way. He said, is any pleasure on earth as great as a circle of Christian friends by a fire? He's like, is there anything really more, more pleasurable on earth than that? A circle of Christian friends that have all that in common, just sharing their lives with one another. And you know, I'm not sure why C.S. Lewis said it that way, specifically around Christian friends around a fire. But guess guess who did that? Jesus. Jesus did that. Think about it. It's absolutely mind-blowing when you just consider for a minute that we're here today because of Jesus' friends. Friendship is the vehicle that we heard the message of Jesus Christ. Jesus called 12 men to share his life. We call them the disciples when he sent them out. that Sent out means apostles. They became the apostles. For three and a half years, Jesus shared his life with 12 friends. And they turned the world upside down in one generation. The gospel itself, Jesus trusted to this thing called friendship. That's the power of friendship. That's the, could I put it this way, the potential of friendship. But the reality is, as we saw, uh, not all of us experience that type of friendship. In fact, you can live a lifetime and never experience close friendships. But the hope that I have for you today is this God wants you to experience close friendships. Maybe you're not doing it right now, but God wants you to experience and have close friends. Now, we can't be friends with a thousand people or anything like that. In fact, all kinds of sociological studies have been uh, done and surveys that, that really have determined that really, at most, in a lifetime, three close friends. In a lifetime, three really what we call friendship. I'm not talking about your list on Facebook or, or anything like that. Those are, those are like acquaintances, and, and we'll get to that in just a minute. But, but real friends where, where you can be open and honest and transparent, and, and they know you and you know them. Most people in their lifetime, just three. Just three. And it's interesting, even in Jesus' inner circle of 12, he had three that were closer to him, Peter, James, and John. And there were times when he made their other disciples, he said, the rest of you stay there, Peter, James, and John, you go with me. How would you like to be Bartholomew, by the, by the way? You know, like, what? What's wrong with me? Come on. Is any pleasure on earth as great as a circle of Christian friends by a fire? Most friendships fail because we don't have a strong enough commitment to the relationship. And just like we talked about when we looked at marriage, how to beat the odds, and last week parenting, how to beat the odds, now we're looking at friendship. Next week we're going to look at how to beat the odds as a church, and I invite you back to that. It's going to be pretty eye-opening, I think, for many of us. But i but, uh, but approach this subject not as someone who's an expert at all. I'm glad Dale Carnegie wrote the book. It helped me out at an early age. But, but I'm still learning. I, I haven't done friendships and relationships perfectly at all. But one thing I'm confident of is I continue to pursue Jesus Christ in my life. He he makes me a better friend. He's, he's, He's conforming me and helping me to become a better friend than I could be without him. And so my goal during our time together as we talk about making the most of friendship is really to raise the commitment level from convenience to here's this word again we talked about with marriage, covenant. Because the Bible talks a lot about covenant friendships. Some of the most powerful friendships that we read about in the Bible were covenant friendships. Impacted the world, quite literally. David and Jonathan, Jesus to his disciples, these incredible friendships that God leveraged to impact communities, nations, And really continents in the whole entire world. So real quickly, there's three different levels of friendship. For those of you that are taking notes, three different levels of friendship. And I want to just kind of share these and, and talk about them for a little bit. Then we're going to jump into what the Bible teaches about friendship. First of all, there's surface friendships. Surface friendships. These are the ones like kind of what we call acquaintances. You know, a little bit about them. They know a little bit about you. You know, uh, not not necessarily too too much. You know, if you ask them like, you know, uh, hey, what's Craig's favorite food? You know, they're like, I have no idea. I I, I don't even know. You know, or uh, you know, where did you grow up? You know, what hometown were you born in? I don't know, just don't know anything about them all. These are just very surface type friendships, and we have a lot of these. You could literally have these with thousands and thousands of people like, Hey, how you doing? You know, and sometimes you run into them at the gallery, and you don't even remember their name, and it's like, Oh, dude, what's up, my main fella? Mm, where's Facebook? Let me remember what your name is there. All right, so these are, these are real surfacey. Then we have what's called structured friendships. Structured friendships. Now think about these. These are what most of us have are structured friendships. Let me explain. These are, these are people that you get really, really close to because, like, you have to. In other words, on the job or, or, or maybe at school, you, you know, or, or maybe it's even watching the kids as they're playing. They're either, you're friends with the other parents, but it's because of something else. They didn't choose you. You didn't choose them. It's like, there you are together. And you can spend a lot of time, and these friendships can really begin to blossom. I think back in high school, my closest friends, I never would have chosen them, but you know what happened? I ended up playing football with them. And because we were sweating and bleeding and, you know, just just all that stuff out in the sun, we became great, great friends. But it was a structured environment because we were on the team together. And, and still today, sometimes they'll, they'll call me or message me, and, and there's like nothing I wouldn't do for them, and there's nothing they wouldn't do for me either. But but it's all because of structured friendships. The same thing later on, you know, when I was coaching high school football, you spend so much time together uh, because of the structure of like a team or something like that, and, and, and it's 25, 30 hours a week coaching, and, and you feel so close, but I, I hung up my whistle in twenty twelve and. I don't hear from them very much anymore. And they don't hear from me very much anymore. And it's not because I don't like them. I still love those guys. And it's not because they don't like me. But it's just the structure's not there anymore. And you begin to realize the relationship had more to do with the structure. The friendship had more to do with the structure that was holding it together than necessarily the real friendship that was there. But then, there are some friendships that transcend surface friendships and transcend structured friendships. And then they make it to a very different level, the third level of friendships. And that's what I want to call solid and secure friendships. Solid and secure friendships. Sometimes they may start out as uh, level one and then level two, structured, but, but solid and secure, they begin to go deeper so that even when the structure's not there anymore, the friendship continues to grow and blossom and deepen. And I've got some friendships like that as well. That, that actually, even in our church, that there was a structure, like small groups where, where, where I met. And where we began to kind of share our lives together, and then the, the, the time for that small group ended. But you know what? The relationship transcended that. And I have friends for 20, 25 years that it's not because of the structure anymore. The structure's kind of gone, but, but we make time for each other. We prioritize our lives together. Like, hey, man, it's been a few weeks since we've talked. It's, it's been a month since we've gone out. We got, we got to get something on the calendar. Let's do it right now. And it's not really about the structure anymore. These are the ones that over the course of a lifetime are probably just a handful of people. Probably just a handful of people. This isn't 20. This isn't 30. This is like eight. Maybe. And they have to be very, very intentional. These are the most rewarding Friendships. The, the, these are some of the friendships that, that, that I have some friends that, like, I can just look at them and I can be like, what's going on? They're like, what? And I'm like, what's going on? Something's, something's up. And i like, no, nothing. And they just want to walk away because they're like, oh, he nailed me. He, he saw right through me. And, and it's because of that time. It's that safe and secure friendship. These are the rewarding ones. These these are the fulfilling friendships. And I think if we don't ever hit that level with with a few handful of people, it's like our heart just aches for that. Because God created us for these type of friendships. Not with 25, not with 105, maybe just four or five. Small circle of friendship, safe and secure. These relationships are covenant relationships, covenant friendships. These relationships are built on unconditional love. They're built on the example of Jesus Christ. That's a solid and secure friendships. Now here at Valley Christian Church, we believe relationships are so important and friendships are so important. We do provide structured environments where people can begin to connect. Uh, we, We call them community groups, small groups, Because we believe people grow better in their relationship with Christ, not sitting in rows like this, but in circles. Where would you get an idea like that from, Greg? Jesus and his disciples. That that, that he he shared his life with 12 men for three and a half years. And we only do it for six months at a time. But our structured friendships and relationships, that's our community groups. And in fact, March 12th, we have what we call group link, where we're opening up these groups on Sunday night, 6 to 7.30. And if you're not in a community group, we have groups for men, we have groups for ladies, and we have groups for married couples as well. And, and, and we just invite you to come out and just to meet some of these leaders because you know what? We all need these structured friendships. I've been the pastor of this church for 24 years. I've been on staff for 27 years. I've always been a part of a small group. Never, never taking a break. But because Jesus needed a small group, I just think, like, I'm not him. <laughs> I probably need one too. A, a structured environment where you're sharing your life with others. And, and again, Christians that have the same values, same mindset uh, as well. So surface friendships, structured friendships, and these are all friendships, just different levels. And then solid and secure friendships. So let's look at what the Bible teaches about friendship, and this is kind of like a, if you want to say, survey of friendship uh, throughout the Bible, because it's, it's just everywhere, uh, and so we're just going to hit on the high points. But, but here's the first thing that some of us may be surprised about, that the Bible teaches about friendship. Here's the first one. Few friends are true friends. The Bible makes it really, really clear. There's only a few of your friends that are really going to be true friends. There's only a few of my friends that are really going to be true friends. Proverbs chapter 18, verse 24 puts it this way. Friends come and friends go, but a true friend sticks by you like family. Like family. Some friends, that come in. Some friends are uh, friends for a reason. Some are friends for a season. Some are friends for a lifetime. Lifetime. And and that's what the Bible says. Friends come and they go, but a true friend, a true friend sticks by you like family. My closest friends, not only do I know them, I know their kids, I know their parents, I know their aunts and uncles and cousins, and I know them all by name, and I have a friendship with them as well. It's like our whole families know each other. And we never intended for that to happen. It's just something that we've cultivated and has grown over the years. And and it's like I feel like I'm a part of their family. I feel as comfortable with their family as I do with my own flesh and blood. And hopefully they feel as comfortable with my family as well. Friends come and friends go, but a true friend sticks by you like family. Proverbs 17, 17 puts it this way, friends love through all kinds of weather. Have you ever heard the phrase a fair weather friend? <laughs> That's not a friend. Fair weather friend. Hey, Greg, you and I are really close. As long as everything's going good for you, man, but as soon as it goes off the rail, see ya, wouldn't want to be a. We're done. That's a fair weather friend. Friends love through all kinds of weather. That means sunny days, and that means when it's raining. That means when it's cold and when it's hot, and also when it's storming out. And they never stop loving you. And so the first thing that's important for us to realize is few friends are true friends. Second one is this. Friends will speak the truth to you. Now, all of a sudden, you're starting to discover friends. Right now, I believe, as I'm going through this, I, be, I think right now you're probably thinking about friends, aren't you? You're thinking about, wow, maybe, maybe he was a better friend to me than I realized. Maybe this one was not as much a friend as I thought it were. Friends will speak the truth to you. Our culture tells us a friend is one who just always agrees with you. Nothing could be further from the truth. That's not a friend. That's a con man. It's a con man that always tells you what you want to hear. It's a con man who's trying to get something from you that always agrees with everything that you say, every opinion that you have, every decision that you make. The Bible says a friend will speak the truth to you. Look at Proverbs 27, verse 6. It says, wounds from a sincere friend are better than many kisses from an enemy. One translation, English translation, puts it this way. Faithful are the wounds of a friend. I hope you have friends in your life that have looked you in the eye before and say, you're nuts. What are you doing? You're crazy. That's a real friend. When you're about to make some kind of crazy decision, like, Greg, what are you thinking? What's going on, man? That's a real friend. But when you say, hey, I had this idea, and they're like, are you serious? You're, you're gonna mess your life up. That's a true friend. The wounds from a sincere friend, a sincere friend, are better than many kids. Faithful are the wounds of a friend. I I thank God for friends that have said, Greg, hold on, slow down. Think about this for just a minute. And I realize they have nothing to gain from it except me getting upset with them. (laughs) But they love me enough to tell me the truth. That's a real friend. Not someone who agrees with you all the time. A real friend can speak the truth. A real friend, you can ask them a question, and they're going to be honest, sometimes brutally honest. Because it's wounds from a sincere friend. They're better than an enemy just saying, yeah, you're great, fantastic, go for it. That's fantastic. Here's the third thing. Friends refresh us. Friends refresh us. Look at Proverbs chapter 27, verse nine. Perfume and incense bring joy to the heart and the pleasantness of a friend springs from their heartfelt advice. It refreshes us. True friends, they refresh us. It's like perfume and incense. They bring joy to the heart. That's what a real friend is. It refreshes us. Pleasantness of a friend brings spring, uh, a friend springs from their heartfelt advice. In friendship, I believe this, you're either a plus or you're a minus. When it comes to friends, we're either adding value to our friends or we're taking away from them. We're either adding or we're subtracting, either a plus or a minus. And, and listen, this is not the time to look at your friend as I say this, but we all know those people, don't we? They're like, when they come, we are like, hey, Greg, how you doing? And you know, like, okay... I feel the life just being sucked out of me right now. It's just like something just, just right through my toes. You know, I'm like, oh, my gosh, I'm just exhausted. This is just, It's the same thing, guys, as when you go to the Galleria Mall shopping, and, you know, we're all these men and so strong, and we're going from bench to bench because the energy's just been drained from us. Some friends are like that as well. Where's the next bench? Oh, no, here comes another conversation. I need to sit down. In friendship, you're either a plus or you're a minus. You, 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 real friendship refreshes. And, and you may be hearing like, well, man, I don't, I don't think I'm a, a minus to anyone. Ask your friends. They'll tell you if they're real friends, they're gonna be honest with you. And they're gonna like, no, you just drain me completely, a dry of all energy. Friends refresh us. Here's the fourth thing. The Bible talks about friends sharpen one another. Now, this is very interesting, this whole idea of sharpening one another. Look at what the Bible says. Friends sharpen one another. Proverbs 27, 17. As iron sharpens iron, so so a friend sharpens a friend. How does iron sharpen iron? You know, this isn't some cute little, oh, I just got goosebumps thinking about that. How does iron sharpen iron? By clanging together. By being hammered. Bang, 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 bang. There's something about true friendship that can transcend conflict. If you never have conflict, one of you is not necessary. True friendship is like clank, clank, clank. But you know what? We're committed to one another. And no matter what, we're still going to be friends. When, When you have a friendship that can... Weather the storms. It's not a fair weather friend anymore. It's just a friend. That's what the Bible's talking about. As iron sharpens iron, so a friend sharpens a friend. God wants us to be better because of the friends we have, that they can smooth off the rough edges in our lives, that there's this openness and this honesty, and sometimes, like, there's even conflict. Susie and I were actually talking on our way in. Every one of our friends that we would say, like, these, these are really good friends, we've had some sort of conflict with at some point. But the friendship has transcended it. And we're sharper because of that conflict. They're sharper because of that conflict. As the iron, clang, 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 was against the iron. That's the picture of Friendship very different picture than our culture says friends just like just hang out man whatever you do whatever it's not friendship that's settling for something so much more surface than really what god really wants for you and what he really wants for me as well there's a great book and i highly recommend it so i'm recommending books here today uh first one was by dale carnegie uh, how to win friends and influence people there's another great book uh when I was a young pastor in my early 20s, uh, actually my wife, uh, it was Susie who did it. She sent off for a book for me uh, by this author named John Maxwell. And it was called, the title of the book was Developing the Leader Within You. And it's another one of those just just game changers for me. And, and since then, I, I think I've read almost every single book John Maxwell has ever written. Uh, and he's written about 60, I, I believe. One of the best Uh, highly recommend it's called the 21 irrefutable laws of leadership and a number of years ago as a staff we read that it's just just absolutely fantastic john was a pastor for over 25 years at skyline wesleyan church in san diego california and, and now is one of the absolute top leadership consultants for business in the world i mean absolutely phenomenal man and, and in, again, that book, the 21 Irrefutable Laws of Leadership, is just fantastic. In there, one of those laws of leadership that he talks about is the law of magnetism. The law of magnetism. And this is what the law of magnetism says. The law of magnetism says who you are is who you attract. Who you are is who you attract. Now think about this for just a minute. Think about your friends. <laughs> That's who you are law of magnetism says this, that, that, that who we are and the essence of who we are is what draws people who are like us to us. And it's like, we can't, even, we can't beat this. It's, it, that's why they call it the laws, laws of leadership. Who you are is who you actually attract. So if you look around at your friends like, they're my friends. I don't even like any of them. <laughs> Guess what? You're just like them. You don't attract, when it comes to friendships and like leadership, you don't attract opposites. You attract sameness. Same type of people. Let let me give you a a crazy example uh, of this. Who you are is who you attract. And this is all throughout the Bible. But think about King David for just a minute. King David, a lot of us know the story about King David and, and, and some of the things he did. Uh, King David attracted men to himself just like he was. In 1 Chronicles chapter 10, and I won't take time to read it right now. 1 Chronicles, I'm sorry, uh, chapter 11, verses 10 through 23. It talks about David, and we know the life of David, like he killed a lion, he killed a bear, he killed Goliath. He, he was like this incredible warrior. And he is running for his life from Saul, the king at the time, and he begins to draw these misfits and, and this band of renegades and these rejects, and they turn out to be considered the mighty men of David. And these ended up being, like, lethal. Like, the, the, the forget about 300. David, these are just like the most incredible warriors there's ever been. And it's so interesting, just in this one passage, 1 Chronicles chapter 11, verse 10 uh, through 23, it lists the exploits of his mighty men. These were his friends. And look at what it says that they did. Let's just put up the next slide here. They were submissive and loyal, in verse 10. They slew many enemies and soldiers in battle. They took a stand against the Philistines. They risked their life and they went the extra mile for one another. One of them killed a lion single-handedly, two of them by himself. The other one slew a giant. Every one of these things is exactly what was on David's personal resume. And what he personally accomplished, you find those same accomplishments in his friends. It's the law of magnetism. Who you are is what you attract. You you, you can't beat this. The only way you beat this is this, become better at who you are. Become a better you, and you'll attract different friends. I'm gonna mess with you. We see this all the time in relationships, don't we? The the person that goes from one romantic relationship to another, to another, like, I just keep ending up with losers. Why does this always happen to me? <laughs> Who you are is what you attract. Instead of looking for someone else, allow God to make you a better you and watch as the people you attract are a lot different. This, this goes for all, related. it goes for leadership, it goes for friendship, It goes from romantic relationships, all of it. Who you are is what you attract. This is just one example, David, here. But but to me, it's like the starkest example because it's just those verses, 10 through 23, that you think you're reading David's resume, but it's actually the resume of his friends and what they did. See, what God has for you and me is this. God really wants covenant friendships for you and for me. That's God's best. Again, not with a hundred, not with a thousand, with a small circle of friends. Covenant friendships, friendships that are based on unconditional love. I I love you and there's nothing you can do about it. There can be times when we ticked, there can be times gonna be upset, there can be times you're gonna disappoint me, but I'm your forever friend. Covenant friendships. So instead of thinking about our friends out there, because of this law of magnetism, who we are is who we attract, let's talk about how we can become a better friend. Because that changes everything. How can you become a better friend? How how, how can I become a better friend. Here's, the, here's what covenant friendships look like. First of all, be the right person. <laughs> become the right person. Who we are determines how we see other people. Be the right person. Ask God, God help me to become a better friend. Instead of expecting my friends to change, God changed me because, you know, at the end of the day, that's the only person we can change. It's ourselves. And we can't do that apart from God's power in our life, God's grace. Become the right person. If you're single, I say this all the time. Don't be thinking about this person out here. How can I get there? Where's the right person for me? You become the right person. Allow God to work in your life so that you become the person that someone else is looking for instead of looking for someone else, be the right person. Second thing is this, when it comes to covenant relationships, not only being the right person, but also committing time and energy. If we're gonna have a few close real friends, it takes time, it takes priority. If you're a person that's all into convenience, you're not gonna have real deep relationships and friendships. Because really, when it comes to, comes to friendship, it's like the gardening principle. It's just like a garden. If you don't weed the garden and cultivate the garden, there'll be no fruit. And that's how friendships are. You've got to cultivate the garden. You've got to tend the garden in order to have fruitful friendship. You've got to make it a priority you, on a regular basis. You just don't plant the seeds and like okay seven eight months you know okay I'll I'll check on it and expect a huge harvest doesn't happen you got to cultivate the garden of friendship that means committing time and energy to friendship see here's God's desire for each and every one of us God's desire for you God's desire for me God's desire for our lives. He wants you to have friendship with other people. I I believe that with everything in my heart. God doesn't want anyone to be lonely. God is all about relationships. It's what holds everything together. Even God himself, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, relationship. It's all about relationships. That's why I think we struggle so much with friendships and relationships, because it's really the most important thing in the world. It's the only thing you take with you. No earthly possessions, nothing like that, just the relationships that we have. That's all that goes on for time and eternity. Just the relationships, nothing else. He wants you to have friendships with other people. And it doesn't just come automatically. You know, maturity doesn't come with age. Sometimes age just comes alone. We we, we don't get better at friendships just because we get older. It doesn't happen like that. Sometimes we just get older and not better. So let me ask you a question. What can you do today to become a better friend to those around you? Instead of expecting more, what what can you do today with God's help to become a better friend? The kind of friend that you want, how can you become that kind of friend today? Instead of expecting someone else to step up and do it, God helped me to become a better friend. Here's the second question. As you think about your friends that you have right now, what do you see reflected in them that's really you? What do you see in your friends like, "Eh, I don't get it, why are all my friends like that? Maybe it's a reflection. You are what you attract. Change who you are, attract different friends. What do you see, good or bad, reflected in your friends? Do you see Christ-likeness in your friends? Maybe it's time to open our hearts and allow Jesus Christ to make us more like him, change our attitudes, change our perspectives. Because I think John Maxwell had it right. It's not a suggestion, it's not an idea. There are 21 irrefutable laws. We just looked at one, the law of magnetism. You are what you attract. So I look at my friends and I'm like, that's who I am. (laughs) That's me, that's Greg. For good or for bad, (laughs) that's who I am. And and, and if I want to, to have a different quality of friend, guess what, I need to become a different quality of a friend. I need to become a better friend. God wants you to have friends with others. And the second thing is this God wants you to have a relationship with Him. God wants you to have a relationship with Him. And this absolutely is the most mind blowing thing to me. That the creator of everything that we see, who's perfect in every way and knows us with all of our flaws, He wants to be your friend. He wants to be my friend. Jesus said it in in the book of Revelation, the last book of the Bible. And if you have one of those versions of the Bible where Jesus' words are in red, they're in the book of Revelation. These words are in red. Listen to what Jesus said. Revelation 3.20. Look. He's using a metaphor here. And he says, I stand at the door and knock. And if you hear my voice and open the door, I will come in and we will share a meal together as friends. As friends. Is Jesus your friend? (laughs) He's a friend like no other. He's a friend who said, I'll never leave you. I'll never forsake you. I'll never betray you. I'll never turn my back on you. I may not always agree with you, but I'll always be there for you when you fall. I'll love you perfectly. And there's nothing you can ever do that will change my love for you. Jesus says, I'm knocking. knocking. Will you open the door? I want to be your friend. I want to show you what friendship's really all about. That's what Jesus wants for you. That's what Jesus wants for me. That's what God himself desires. right now would you bow your heads let's pray Heavenly Father Lord thank you that you loved us so much that you sent your son Jesus Christ because of love friendship to live a perfect life and to lay his life down as a sacrifice for us and that he rose again three days later Father, thank you that Jesus understood the potential, the power of friendship so much that he trusted the good news of the gospel in the hands of a small circle of friends. And they turned the world upside down. And we're here today because they came through. They followed through and they were the friends that Jesus needed them to be and that he was to them. Father, I pray that that through your word and our time together, Lord, that we would see friendship in a new way, with new eyes. And Father, I just pray right now that, that for every person in the hearing my voice, we would make the commitment to develop and cultivate real close covenant friends that we'll become the right person, we'll allow you to work in our life, and we'll commit the time and the energy to cultivate those friendships, to be the friend that Jesus is to us, that we would be that friend to others. Thank you, Father. And right now, with our heads bowed and our eyes closed, I just want to give anyone here, everyone here, an opportunity. If you've never prayed and receive Jesus Christ as your Savior, as your friend, that that you would, in essence, like that metaphor, you'd open the door, because He's knocking. Even as I've been speaking and right now praying, you know that that He's speaking to you in your heart. And so I just want to lead you in in a simple prayer of receiving Christ, starting that relationship with Jesus Christ today. Bible says that if you declare with your mouth that Jesus is Lord and believe in your heart that God raised Him from the dead, that you'll be saved. So, real simple, you can just pray after me this prayer, saying, "Jesus, I receive you as my friend. Jesus, I receive you as my Savior. Thank you for sacrificing your life for me. I receive that sacrifice." forgive me of my sins be my Lord I trust you with my life be now my forever friend in Jesus name we pray Amen Amen Well if you pray Thank you for listening to audio from Valley Christian Church located in Hopewell Junction, New York Please visit us online at valleychristianchurch.net for more information Thank you.